Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Church Planner Podcast isn't the podcast that planners deserve, but the podcast they need. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And Peyton Jones. Coming to you for another exciting, handsome, and actually the best podcast on church planning in the world today. According to Frank Viola, that is true. According to Frank Viola, and um, actually, I think uh, Exponential was saying we were the best podcast that's out there. I think they would, too. I, why wouldn't they? Hey, I think almost everybody out there would say that. Including certain networks that you and I are thinking about right now. In, which I did not say. <laughs> you know me, Pete. You know how I love to self-promote, right? I don't know what's more exciting. Just to be able to have inside jokes that only you and I get. Or jokes that everybody gets. Like, you saw my posting on Facebook, I think it was last night, wasn't it? My um, screenshots <laughs> of my acting debut. That was so cool. I was, like, sitting there in the uh, my, my recliner, and I had my iPad on my lap, and I was like, oh, you know what? I'll just do a quick little screen grab from the Amazon uh, Instant Prime app, whatever they call it, you know, where you watch movies on your iPad, and uh, and there I was. Took me a couple times. On but, Amazon Prime. Yeah, that's where it is. It's on Amazon Prime. Oh my gosh, I haven't watched it. I need to watch it. I don't watch it. It's not a good movie. I mean, it's, it's like, like incredibly it's like stupid. The precursor. It was actually the inspiration for Brokeback Mountain. That's what you're telling me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, with bicycles, not with horses. You know, my best, my favorite part of that whole thing is. A lot of people, I don't think, realize what that was when I posted it on my Facebook. But no. I tagged you, 
And then I tagged Brandon Brooks. And the only reason why I tagged Brandon Brooks is because he's a genuine actor who's been on TV series and fame, right? He's got fame as an actor. And I, I figured he would he would relate. He'd be like, oh, yes, I remember my days as an extra. His response to that was absolutely golden. Do you have that in front of you? I don't have it in front of me. I can't even remember what it was. I got to pull it up, man. That is seriously, I love what he said. Because it's like this blurred shot of you in the background. And there's this something about like buying like, the balloons. Oh, yeah, I think I'll take the red balloon or something. In, isn't there a guy in front of you who's like Elvis. in a, uh, Elvis. he's dressed in an Elvis impersonator costume. Yeah. yeah. And uh, dude, it is so stinking good. Because see, the camera love- was following the Elvis guy. And so I was just in the background. So that's why there's like, I took three screen grabs. I don't know how many times I had to replay that one little clip so I could get myself in the screen grab. But one of them, you see me on one side of Elvis, then on the other side of Elvis, and then Elvis is directly in front of me. But if you look really close, you can see my arm. That's awesome. He Brandon wrote, I, I this is one of his comments. He wrote some really funny comments. I like the original cut of the film. A genuine actor now, Hollywood actor. I like the original cut of the film where the guy you're talking to has a yellow shirt, not red. Screw you, George Lucas. Stop messing with the classics. Did he say that? <laughs> I didn't see that one. Yeah, it's there, baby. Oh, in all its glory. It, he might have did it on a, a different picture. Now I got to go back yeah, and did. check all the comments. Yeah, different different picture. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We're checking out. Yeah, definitely. That's hilarious. But yeah, that's from my uh, my acting debut. As a young college student uh, needing to, to, to make some extra cash, I, I volunteered for a movie. I, I guess volunteered yeah, is maybe not the right word. Talking about it. Yeah, we're going to talk about it every episode from now on. It's just that good. This is the other thing that Brandon wrote. Um, it's, this, it's this blurred picture, and, and now that I can see it, I've got a 27-inch uh, Mac screen, and um, I can see now that it's you. Even with the blur, <laughs> although it looks with the blur like you've got like the giant handlebar mustache coming off like the the huge mutton chops, but it's just the blur, I'm sure. But the uh, there's this Elvis impersonator nerd. He's definitely a nerdy Elvis impersonator, and he uh, he has on. He's looking kind of angry, and he's kind of more in the focus of the shot, and you're just in the background. I can't see what you're doing, but behind the cape that the Elvis impersonator is wearing. <laughs> I picture just, you holding like a 32 ounce Mountain Dew. But that's just my imagination. That's just the best. But behind the cape of the the Elvis impersonator. Yeah, I didn't I didn't have any facial hair um, when I did the movie. Mm. Well, you know, and, and we have sayings, you know, that only people who listen to certain episodes know what they mean. Like we, we drag on is, as is, movie is, Rapido. Rapido, is associated with Pete Mitchell on this podcast. I think from now on, the new hashtag for Pete needs to be not I agree with Pete or hashtag not unknown me, cyclist. I think it needs to be hashtag <laughs> what's behind the cape, Pete. <laughs> I don't know. That's pretty long. I, I like hashtag unknown cyclist. That was the name of the movie that I was oh, in. Oh, I dig it, man. What so I think is it, funny is when you tell people I was a gay biker, you actually get this this picture of me like riding a Harley, but To really be clear about it, you got to say I was a gay bicyclist. So that way people understand what you mean by biker. Yeah, yeah. Parking in front of the Blue Oyster Bar, wearing the uh, leather vest. Man, isn't that from uh, Police Academy? It is indeed. Well done. Leave it to a film major. I like it. It's Police Academy, man. Everyone watch Citizens on Patrol, number six. Absolutely. 
and here's here's Brandon Brooks's other comment. Now, mind you, this is from a Hollywood actor. So this is this is a genuine stuff, Hollywood like, actor. This is the real deal. Okay, now if you don't know this, Brandon is actually the guy who got, and I'm gonna say this PC in case the let's see, how do I put it? The little person listens to this. <laughs> I know he has a name. Someone's gonna text in. He has a name, Peyton. I, I know, I know. I, I know his identity is not being a little person. Do I have the job? Brandon is the, the genius behind that. So here's the deal. This is what he writes about your scene. And I, I have a theory that the unknown cyclist is actually Pete Mitchell, that Pete Mitchell is the unknown cyclist. The whole movie was about you. That 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 little freeze frame shot that we have of you, it's almost like an Easter egg. Like you gotta watch the film a couple times, you gotta like slow down the frame rate. You got to see it. And then, you know, as soon as you see Pete behind that Elvis cape, you're like, he is the unknown cyclist. It's like, you, you know what the film's about. It's kind of like the whole thing comes together. You've been watching it for an hour, you know, 45 minutes and then boom, you get it. Right. Mm. That's it. And here's what Brandon says. The realism is just breathtaking. Pete, <laughs> the blurring you radiated just, just represents his true inner turmoil. Do I buy a balloon? There's a balloon coming out from Alvis's head. Or don't I? Congrats. I think Bigfoot is blurry. It's not the photographer's fault. There's a large out-of-focus monster roaming the countryside. And that was, of course, a uh, quote by Mitch Hedberg. Of course. Welcome to the Church Planner Podcast, by the way. Yeah. Well, you know. Or we like to give everyone just uh, phenomenal information for their uh, their daily commute. So, uh so yeah, if you go to my Facebook page and you wonder why I've got those really blurry pictures with possibly a, a slender redhead in the background, um, that was me back in the day. <laughs> that is, you know, you're actually you're looking kind of pumped in that picture, Pete. Not just slender, but it looked like you might have been hitting the weights a bit. Except your arm looks. Oh, that was that skinny. was back when I was lifting weights. I told you I what my say. my my max was on bench, right? Well, it, it looks from the picture. I mean, okay, it is. Blurry, I got to brag. I got to brag. I hit 400 on the bench. Always wanted to hit 405, just four wow. plates on each side, but I was five pounds shy and couldn't do it. But I did hit 400 for a one rep max. Just, you know, right. throwing that out there. Throwing that out there. You know? I, hey, I'm just saying I'm impressed because I only hit 375 when I was 14 <laughs> in high school. Dude, I'm you impressed, couldn't, dude. You could not hit 300 if your life depended on it. <laughs> I, I'm not even sure you could hit 225. You'd be surprised, my friend, what lies, what power lies in this little small package. Like the mighty steam locomotive, I too am not built for speed, but rather power. All I'm saying is I inspire little ninjas. Like that is just right there, the epitome of what Peyton Jones is. He's a little power-packed fighting machine. That's what I'm saying. I'd just like to see your next little church plant. Well, you will see many of them. You know, I, I will spawn many, many planters. I, I'm more on the church planter. No, I want to see your next little church plant. <laughs> I get you now. I get for, you. For little people. Uh, uh, hey, I get you. And it's coming, baby. That's all I'm saying. It's coming. You wait. There's gonna, you're going to make a TV show about it and everything. Aren't you starting a new uh, church plant? Um, I think it's like for an Asian church, isn't it? Like you're reaching out to the Chinese? Oh, are you talking about Asian Peyton up in Anaheim? Mm, no, actually, that's me and my wife. Oh, my dream. Oh, my flashback. 
Yeah, that's true. I think that is, I think that's what your dream was trying to tell you. I think that may have been a prophetic dream. Like you were giving birth to an Asian baby. That is your Asian church plan. Yeah. Well, you know, got to start somewhere. Absolutely. Well, cool, man. So uh, let's get into today's topic. Well, before we get into today's topic, welcome. You are. <gasps> I forgot. I missed my cue. The church plan. All right. Hold on. Is brought to you I don't remember by... how you sent it to me. Hold on. You, you had to it. talk all the way through Yoda, didn't you? Was Yoda going on? Yoda was going on. See, I can't hear him. Play See, him I, again. I, I tried to put it up loud to the uh, to the microphone. All right, here's Yoda. Welcome, you are. This week's episode of the Church Planter Podcast is brought to you by... Mogiv. M-O-G-I-V. Hey, Pete. Can yes, you Peyton. Can you to get your... Huh? Yes, Peyton. <laughs> uh, uh, you see uh, how it throws uh, you off? You see how uh, it throws you off? Uh, well, um, hey, Pete. Yes, have you Peyton? been waiting to get your... <laughs> <laughs> have you been waiting to get your church started with online giving? Well, actually, I have been. Well, have you been using PayPal as a cheap and easy placeholder? Well, I didn't want to say it, but kind of. Knock that crap off. You see what I did there? I upgraded the... Can I do that? <laughs> can you take liberty with their text? <laughs> hey, I already, okay, I'll say it the right way. I already They've cashed already the check. Me. I, I cashed the yeah. check. All right. You, you can do whatever yeah. you want. Okay. All right. Um, I'll say the PC way. Stop it, Pete Mitchell. Okay. A, a better solution is here. Tell me. Mogiv, spelled M-O-G-I-V is an online and text-based giving platform built specifically for the needs of new and growing churches. Go to mogiv.com forward slash church to learn more. Not mogive.com. And not mogiv.com backward slash church. You heard me. It's mogiv.com forward slash church. M-O-G-I-V. <laughs> I think the best was somebody said on Twitter, I've just signed up with Mogif because I heard Peyton sing it. <laughs> <laughs> so really, it's a good thing when we totally butcher your commercials. Absolutely. And not only that, every time someone puts a dollar or a donation in your Mogif account, somewhere the M-O-G-I-V... The Mogiv Fairy. M-O-G-I-V. It's like giving him a little digital spanking. Makes him sing out like that. A digital spanking. I can't Absolutely. believe you just said that. Yeah. Nice. I didn't mean it in a bad way. I just meant, you know, spank a digital fairy, give the M-O-G-I-V, and, uh, you know, it'll put money in your account, and it'll make them sing. <laughs> I'm just having flashbacks of Monty Python's Holy Grail. And spanking. You have to edit this whole section. Now, because of that? <laughs> yeah. Now you made it weird, Pete. <gasps> oh, my gosh. All right. So uh, here's, here's a little Doc Brown for you. Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. And what is the topic today this week, Peyton? Uh, we kind of lied to you. There's actually no topic this week. This week, we are going to do what Pete and I always want to do, and that is talk about the magazine. We always, every month, say, hey, we didn't talk about the magazine. 
and we need to every month. Oh, by the way, if you're new to the Church Planner podcast, we actually do talk about church planning eventually. On average, it's about 20 minutes into the show, <laughs> and we run a magazine. If you ever noticed, it says uh, Church Planner Podcast sponsored by Church Planner Magazine. We have a magazine. It is online. It is free. Uh, it's free right now. Over. Yeah. What's that? It's free right now. Yeah, January 1st, we're actually starting to charge. So you will have to pay for a subscription. Best that you get in now and get an issue while you can. Uh, Church Planner Magazine. And this is actually the show that Pete and I uh, usually talk about. Church Plan today, we're going to talk about the stuff in the magazine. This was an exceptionally good issue. Got my uh, good buddy, Di Hanke, and co-founder of Newbury Church Planning on the cover. Dai is now the director of A29 Wales, and he answers to Mr. Steve Timmis directly and carries out his orders without question. Nice. He's not a yeah. Borg, right? No. So you'll notice the uh, current issue is the one that says, if I was going to plant again, that's the one we're talking about, which is actually a pretty good little article there. But... uh you know, as we get into this, so what we're going to do on this episode is we're going to actually go through the magazine and, and give you highlights and tell you um, why you want to download this particular issue. And it's free, um, despite what uh, at least one person who contributed an article thinks. It is free. <laughs> that is true. You had to bring that up. Huh? I did. I did. We had someone go, you said it was free, but it's not free. I want an honorarium. And we're like, how is it not free? You yeah, can't but even, we still paid him a dollar. <laughs> we're like, you can't even buy it. Like, there's no physical way to buy it and give up money for it. Yeah, I didn't. It's just a that. misunderstanding. But just you know, we're still sending him a, bu- a, bu- a buck. You know, that's our that that's the going rate for for articles. I, that, that's actually like an a hundred percent pay raise for someone giving an article. <laughs> I like that. I like it. So uh, well, why don't you start off with uh, telling everyone what is the essence of the uh, cover article, which is actually the first article in the magazine, Die Hanke's article, If I Was Going to Plant Again, Part 2. Okay, well, if the essence of chair is the cushions, let me tell you the essence of this article. If I Was Going to Plant Again, Part 2 by Die Hanke. Here's the deal. Um, what he hits with, and this is a series that he's been doing for us. He's got... Uh, it's up to three now. We're going to plant, uh, print number three in the next issue. And the first thing he says in this one, this is the second in a series, but it's just really good. So we put them on the cover. Here's the deal. It's, I wouldn't start with a vision for what the Sunday event would look like. And so here's what you're going to find with Di. Di and I are, you know, we got into this together. We tag team the whole church planning thing. You're going to hear us talking a lot of the same stuff. And what he's saying in there is that uh, often we get in there and we, we we think about planning a church and what we're focused on is what Sundays are going to be. We're not actually focused on the community around us. We're not actually focused on, uh, we just think if we go there and throw a Sunday service, that's called church planning. In fact, a lot of the networks and a lot of the conferences that are thrown give you that impression that it's all about just launching a Sunday deal. Mm. And that's actually not what it is. What do you, what you're going to do in the week is actually more important than what's going to happen on Sunday. What you're going to be doing in homes, what you're going to be doing for outreach in the community, 
Um, it doesn't matter if it's on a Sunday. It doesn't matter what day of the week it is. But it's things like joining the local trunk or tree. And I'm, I'm just going off things that, that we do. It's like, and, and there can be regular outreaches. There can be discipleship. You can, you can scale it down as small as you want, one-to-one stuff or, you know, big community stuff. And it's what you're doing to get involved with the community that you're actually trying to reach that's more important. And so what a lot of guys do is they have the field of dreams theory of church planning that says, if you build it, they will come. In other words, if you rent a hall, you throw a sign out front and you do a bunch of, you know, uh, doorknob hangers, you know, people miraculously turn up like they'll just flock to you. And that is not the age in which we live. It's not the reality of church planning, and you're in for a big shock. So, you know, interestingly, along those lines, you and I both know of uh, one particular denomination <laughs> that was talking with one of our church planning friends, and uh, and they're like, "Well, you know, we kind of want all of our churches to, you know, all look the same. We want them to be kind of like Starbucks, where uh, you know you can go into this particular denomination no matter where it is, and it looks just like every other one." And yeah. um, and so, yeah, you're right. I think a lot of people could get the impression that doing a church plant, uh, you know, some of what they see at these big conferences, it's supposed to be about the Sunday event. It's supposed to look a certain way. Um, and to me, that only makes sense if your market is other people, like using that denominational example, that look like or that are used to going to that denomination. Because that's Absolutely. the only one who's going to recognize it. Well, you know, it was funny because when uh, when I went to Wales, like, you know, how many years ago now was that? Um, I got there and everything I had ever learned, you know, I came from Calvary Chapels, a, a, a denomination. And what happened in Calvary Chapels when all these guys went out church planning like years and years ago, they're riding the tidal wave of a revival. And even into the 80s, there was a shift culturally that made things like mega church is possible and it lasts into the nineties. And now all of that's in decline. And the interesting thing is that, um, I, I, you know, what we used to hear in our denominations, just preach the word faithfully verse by verse, and it will grow. And that was a philosophy that we were taught that was beat mm. into our heads. And the fact is you go to Europe and that is not the case. You have some of the most faithful, dynamic, Bible teachers that would run circles around some of our American preachers, verse by verse, you know, chapter by chapter guys, just phenomenal guys. But that's not where culture is. And nobody gives a rip if you preach verse by verse or chapter by chapter. The world simply has moved on and you have to go get them. And I can remember just thinking this is not, you know, I've got to relearn ministry from the ground up. I've got to. And that was what that was a start of church planning for me was having to unlearn all of the mantras that I, I had been taught. And I think a lot of guys are realizing that within uh, the Calvary Chapel movement, that it's not just about teaching faithfully. If they're honest, they look around and they realize most of the people in here are old. Yeah. And we don't have a lot of young people anymore. Well, like Dai's second point in his article, which really stuck out to me is he, he says, I'd let the gifts of others determine the ministries. So, you know, cutting edge youth ministry, a rock band, a hub for video resources, recording studio, coffee shop outreach. Those are just different uh, gifts that some people in the church might have. And the reason why I kind of like that is if you're trying to go for like a cookie cutter, if you're trying to duplicate what you've seen other people do, 
that doesn't mean you've got the right people to do it or it's going to make sense in the location that you're doing it. Right. So absolutely. uh, So to his point of letting the gifts of the people determine what ministries you do to me, makes a lot of sense because you got to figure that if God wants you to uh, connect with a a certain community, then he's going to provide the people that have the gifts that you can utilize to reach that community. Absolutely. You know, I wrote a, a chapter about that in Church Zero cha-ching, called Gift Driven Ministry. That's exactly about that, because I think part of church planning is like you go into the community and it, there's a mystery to be solved. This is why we say nobody's an expert. I mean, obviously, you know, I host this. I've church planted, you know, a number of times. But um, really, I've only personally church planted uh, two churches, you know, two church planting hubs. But through the churches that those churches have planted, I have been involved in other church plants. So, um, but as far as like the guy, you know, like kind of leading a team, I've only done it twice. And so, um, but even that being the case, each one of those was completely different. And each one that I assist other guys in planting and I, I travel around, so I'm not in one spot. I help different church plants all at one time. But each time it's something different. And I can't swagger in. It, it doesn't matter if I had planted 10 churches. Um, it doesn't matter if I come in, um, you know, 20 churches from now. I'm still not going to be an expert. I have principles from being in ministry for 22 years and being a missionary for 15 and helping other guys plant churches, planting out of my church. Um, I, those are experiences. But it's it's that unknown variable of who's the Holy Spirit brought me and how does he want to uniquely use these people in front of me to reach the community in front of me. And and that's the mystery. You don't know what God's going to do. You don't know if you're going to have some high school kid who is just super evangelistic who's going to go onto his campus and lead a bunch of his friends to Christ. Um, one of the church plants, uh, the one over in Wales that, that we planted the hub, Pillar, that's exactly what happened. One guy got baptized and boom, 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 it became a whole string of baptisms. And, you know, we just went from baptism meeting to baptism meeting to baptism meeting. Hmm. And that's what happens. I dig it, man. So, I dig it. So his third, oh yeah, and I, I was going to say, like, we've talked about all these things, but we had movie club, we had, you know video game competition nights we had you know all that kind of stuff and in long beach you know we we do these barbecues we do other things but um it's you know our christmas thing that we do we're like a toy drive we would never have done that the church and pillar but we'll do it in the inner city because that's the need there you know people are poor and so at each point you have to kind of almost i would say do detective work but it's not really that it's just a matter of doing what jesus said and that is praying for workers to come into the harvest and then having your eyes open to the harvest field that's in front of you um, and not being like the disciples going, oh, let's go home. This is too hard. You know, that's what a lot of guys do. They just blame, you know, it's not a fruitful country. And Jesus goes, open your eyes. That's the first thing he says in that passage is open your eyes. The fields are white under harvest. And uh, so let's see. Um, the third thing he says in this is I'd stop counting numbers and start picking fruit. And I'm just going to read a piece of it. He goes, how many people go to your church? It's the most awkward and annoying question that a church planner gets asked. 
And it's fair to say that in the early days of Hill City, I would do whatever it takes to make the answer sound as impressive as possible. About 20 usually meant there were eight adults, four children, two unborn embryos, three pets, and two had said they might come but never did, and my next-door neighbor who sometime pops over to borrow some milk. What I've come to realize over the recent years, however, is that numbers alone are a very poor indicator of the true health and growth of a church. Every preacher, myself included, loves the ego trip of speaking to a big crowd of people, but that's not what it's all about. The gospel is not about bums on seats. It's about hands on the plow. Good stuff. Hmm. Cool. Um, what about the uh, next article in the magazine? Yeah, uh, the next article is by... Um, I, mean, I, was, I must say, for you to get the next article... Um, you did sleep with the person, so they would contribute an article. I'm just, I'm just absolutely, that out there. and and it's actually an ongoing contract. I have to keep <laughs> doing this. Um, it, it wasn't just a one-time thing, Pete. Uh, this is written by Andrea Jones. She is my wife, and she wrote an article called one "Everything of them, I Learned." One of them, anyway. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, Every nothing. Everything I learned about church planning, I learned through adoption. And uh, that's a great, my wife has a gift of writing. I mean, she, she really writes from the heart. She's funny when she writes. Um, but this is a great um, article just talking, chronicling the church planner experience. And, you know, she kind of hits off from all the things that, you know, she's wanted to do, you know, um, in, in her life. And she kind of says, for most people, adopting a baby isn't really one of the most exciting things. But what she goes on to say is, look, you know, um, it, 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 you'll be blown away by how much the same thing you go through in adopting a baby is like the same emotions, the same ups and downs, and the same journeys as uh, really adopting a community and give a birth to a church plant or deciding I'm going to attach myself to this thing called my church plant and I'm going to raise it up from nothing. And it's, it's a pretty fascinating article. And I, I say that. Not just because I think she's pretty and, you know, I'd say that anyways, but it actually is. Cool. Cool. Next I, article I, is by uh, Tim Chester. Did I say his name right? Chester? Yeah. Chester. But, Chester? You know, there's something I got to say. Um, I, I can't I can't pass on my wife's article without noting that the first picture is um, by Fruity Monkey. So if you're a Fruity <laughs> Monkey fan, um, you like his work. Uh, there is a picture by Fruity Monkey. Talking about the, the photo uh, credit. Yeah, it's a photo credit um, by Fruity Monkey. Just, I like saying that. See, people don't understand how we have to get our pictures because the uh, magazine doesn't make any money, so we can't pay like real photographers. So we have to use photos that are available by Creative Commons. And uh, You know, Pete, they could have just thought we paid Fruity Monkey. Yeah, um, but we didn't. Yeah, but you know, I'm you just, could, you I'm know just that out having there. having a picture, you know, with that kind of prestige in it by you know Fruity Monkey. That's like that's like a. Video. I actually really like the way Ben's. He's our graphic guy. I love the way he did the picture on the uh, the article where you got to slide the page on the iPad to see the full picture. I don't know if you're reading that's, the magazine on your phone while you're going through this or on your iPad, but no, no, it's on my iPad. I got, I can't read it on my iPhone. By the way, guys, if you want, you can. Like, if you're just like, oh, I'm at work, I'm on a break, I need to read it on the toilet. Great, that's a good way to do it. But it really has to be seen on the iPad. And I got to give kudos to Barry Waters, who uh, has really worked hard on this as well and given us some great stuff. But yeah, if you read the magazine, when you scroll from page to page, 
the the image travels with you. It's pretty cool. You'd have to see it. But yeah, that's if you're reading it on an iPad or on a big enough tablet. If you read it on the Android or on the iPhone, it well actually the Android defaults to the iPad version, um, but the the phone the iPhone defaults to what's called the text version, and it just it makes it so it's easier to read on a phone. So it's like regular size text, but it's not as cool looking. And you can always switch it Absolutely. back on your phone. There's Absolutely. a little button at the top. So on uh, on the next page, we actually, I think it's kind of an ad. It's kind of like an article, but it's, it's kind of an ad as well. Um, I teach church planning courses um, for university. Like I said, I, I've only planted two hubs. I've like planted two Ephesuses, and I'm getting ready to work out of a third Ephesus, um, which I did not plant, but I'm working with a team of planners. And uh, it is... Um, uh, but I've helped a number of guys plant, uh, raised up, trained up locally. That's that's where I'm comfortable. Is kind of working as a mentor, almost like a Paul to people's Timothy. It's why we do this. And um, over the years, I just feel like that was my gifting, and God was able to to give me a real insight as I helped these other guys. I almost felt like I was uh, that was really my main calling was taking guys with me and going with them. And even now, that's what I do. So uh, we have um, a plan to plant in every single neighborhood in Oceanside. And so one of the things we're starting up, which you'll hear about in future, is an internship program where we will, uh, a residential internship. So you can move to sunny Oceanside or even Long Beach. I mean, you know, we're, we've got a few people training up there. But uh, and they're already launching out. You've heard us mention Ruben and you've heard us mention uh, uh, probably once or twice some of the other guys that are with us. But um, but I also teach university courses that are available for people who can't do those residential programs, but say, you know, I'd like to go deeper. So um, what I've started doing, um, in fact, I just uh, resigned from my university position uh, a couple of days ago. And one of the things that um, I'm doing is I'm taking all of those courses and making them available online so that people who are like, hey, I can't afford, boom, boom, boom. You can go to newbreedchurchplanning.com or newbreedcp.org uh, is another way to get there. Click on resources and that'll take you to our store and you can look up the courses and you can actually buy my first two courses there um, at that site. And so the first one is church planning in the book of Acts. And the second one is um, Introduction to New Testament um, Church Planning. So you can go check those out. Cool. I, see, I said it for you. I knew you were going to say that. So next one is by Tim Chester. What should I think when I don't see growth? Tim Chester, for those of you who don't know, was uh, Steve Timmis's, the guy who started Crowded House, kind of the pioneer of the modern house church planning movement, predates SOMA. Guy started 30-something years ago in uh, Sheffield, which is in England, north of England, up in the UK, rough area. Um, he planted in Sheffield, and they saw their little house church uh, very creatively with how they did outreach. It would be great to get Steve on here sometime. But Tim Chester was there with him, part of Crowded House Ministries, and saw it just multiply. And they wrote a book together called Total Church which uh, is, you know, I highly recommend. It's a very good book. And his is called What I Should Think When I Don't See Growth. So here's a guy who's seen a lot of growth, 
But if you're in church planning, it's like pistons, man. It goes up and down. In order to make the car run, you have times where the church suddenly grows, and then you got slumps, which we talked about last broadcast, where it doesn't. And so uh, his major points, Pete, you can walk through them if you want. Well, I think, I, I mean, I think they're kind of cool, but I, I don't want to steal the thunder, I think, from the article. I think people would get a lot more out of just um, reading it. But, I mean, the gist of it, the gist of it is, uh, you know, um, it could be you're either not preaching the gospel. It could be that, um, you know, that's not what God's plan is for the area. And, it, you yeah. know, it could be um, uh, he's, who you're he's trying got to reach. One, yeah, he's got one in there that's kind of shocking, which um, is is theologically bold to say, um, to say the least. So if you get a chance, check that one out. I really liked what he says in there. It's really shocking. Um, yeah. You're talking so. about number two? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and I and I, I like, you know, so. I was hearing uh, Matt Chandler the other day um, speak at Catalyst, and he said something like, um, what if God's will for you is not to be happy? <laughs> I was like, whoa. And I, I See, like that reminds it. me of when I was in uh, college. I used to say, what if uh, God's purpose for your life is to be an example to everyone else of what not to be? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, hey, yeah, that's something I could do for sure. <laughs> uh, I think it's a little late for you on that one. Yeah, I, you've I done know, you've it, done too many church thing. planning here's things. Thing. It, it's funny just just to mention another brilliant quote in the week. Um, Ed Stetzer posted something brilliant this week on Facebook. It was the older I get in ministry, the more I see that character matters, but it's always ability that gets rewarded. And that was just like that was just like a grenade dropped in the lap of Facebook, man. Like, like boom, you know because. That is what we see, but I just thought that was so stinking brilliant. It's so true, man. It kind of is. I mean, that's a really deep statement as I'm sitting here thinking about what you just said. Well, you know, we were talking um, with Frank Viola. That uh, broadcast will be out Wednesday, I think. Is that right? Am I right on that? I don't know. It's either Wednesday or um, because didn't we interview someone else too? Yeah, we've interviewed a bunch of people recently, but uh, we've got a Frank Viola interview coming up. And, you know, Frank... Uh, shoot, where was I going with that? Um, I got, I got blinded by Frank. Frank, Frank had a book and we're, we're, we're talking to him about this incredible book he wrote on church planning and what, what he said in there. Um, he's got a, a section where he outlines that the apostle Paul in almost every single epistle he wrote gave, and I had never caught this, but he proves it. What's great about Frank is he'll say this and then he'll show you all the scriptures and you're like, yeah, I've read that. I've read that. I've read that. And Frank has uh, this section where he goes, look to all these churches and it's almost all of the churches that he planted. He makes a statement, imitate me or what you saw in me, do these things and put into practice that Paul equates his character so strongly with his ministry. Um, and that was a real shocker. That was really cool to me to see that because as much as you and I screw around, we're actually pretty straight up on the character deal. You know what I mean? Like, you know, people probably listen and go, oh man, those guys are so unholy. And I think everyone you know, just thinks that about me. <laughs> it's guilt by association, my friend. Check and, please. Uh, I can, I can, I can pull my own weight on my, uh, my stupid sense of humor. Getting me into all kinds of trouble, but you know what? I've, I'm at peace. I, I feel my humor is the same. Have you played a gay biker in a movie? That's all I'm asking. <laughs> the funny thing is, though, is that you can't make this stuff up. 
truth is stranger and often funnier than fiction. But here's the deal, you know, it, it, the reality is that uh, Paul had said that, and I think that's great. Um, just a, a great quote by Ed. Ten reasons not to join a church plant. And I think we all know that... Uh, who's that joined, article by? That's by Justin Buzzard. I think we all know that uh, church planting is tough to join. Um, it takes a special breed of people to, to join a church plant. It takes Christians that are dissatisfied, but not with the wrong thing. Often you see people join who are dissatisfied. Um, and what's really going on is is it's something with them, but they'll find fault in whatever it is in the church you're in. And sometimes people just legitimately, they, they're not aligned with the vision, but he gives almost like a, if you guys are church planners and you've seen people come in and they're a flash in the pan and they're gone in six months or whatever, this article would be great for you because what this article is going to do is it's going to help you recognize the kind of people that come along who you don't really want to encourage to come to your church plant. Seems like at times we're almost like whores for numbers, you know, in church plants. Like, please come to my church plant. You don't want everyone. I'm just telling you that right now. You don't want everybody who comes to that door to stay, okay? And so Justin Buzzer just says, here's 10 reasons, but it's written to them, not to you. And this might be a handy tool for you to give people when they come through the door. Just, hey, read this. If you're thinking of joining us, read this article. Yeah, I think one of the things that I found most interesting about that is uh, point number two. If you're a Christian and you don't like your current church, you'll find reasons not to like this church. And I think um, one of the dangers that people have to be aware of, and you and I have talked about it, I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast, but you will have people who will uh, seem like they, they're really excited about your church plan and what, they're, what you're doing, and they, they kind of start to uh, get involved, but they also start to like put their spin on things and their twist and they kind of want to mold it into what their vision should be. And sometimes it's done intentionally and sometimes it's not done intentionally. That's just kind of the type of personality they are, but you've got to be really careful about that and, um, and not let other people hijack your church plant because to them, to the guy who it's, it's intentional. Like he knows what he's doing. He thinks Usually it's not done out of malice, in my opinion. Usually it's done out of arrogance. You know, I think I know what's best. Uh, you know, this this young church planner, he doesn't know what he's doing. I, I've been an elder for 30 years. You know, he, he's fresh out of seminary or, you know, whatever. Right. And so they, they start to, like, put their little stank on it, to use that term. And um, and that can be really, really dangerous. But they, they see it as, like, you know, something that they can influence and make it their vision. And then it starts yeah. to come with all this baggage of what they didn't like at their last church. And, you know, if that pastor had just listened to me, we, we yeah. wouldn't have, uh, you know, stayed stagnant at 100 people. We would have grown to 1,000. And it's so, I mean, that's one of those things that you got to be really careful of. And I think, um, you know, you used to have uh, the no Christians allowed rule at uh, your church's pay. And I don't know if you still do. but I don't because by now now that we've actually been successful in reaching the community, it's kind of like transfers come in and go, Oh, Oh my gosh, what is this? Yeah. I'm well, I don't, I don't mean even that, but I mean like your new church plants, do you have a no Christian oh, yeah. allowed at the new one still every time? Really? Every time. Yeah. Just because for me and you know, I can't force that on the guys that I work with. I mean, 
you know, if I'm training a guy, it's always their decision, you know, what they're going to do. I don't run it for them, but um, I, I encourage them to think about that like this article because I, I tell them eventually um, these people are going to leave anyways. That what we're talking about is the difference between the damage control. Because keep in mind, like even though I said, you know, I've only planted two hubs and I've helped these guys plant the others. I've been in ministry. I start off in megachurch. So I've understood, you know, I've seen all the stuff people pull there. I went from there to Lloyd Jones's church, traditional church, rich heritage, um, you know, still playing the pipe organ when I got there, uh, transferring into guitar music. I mean, just, you know, a church in transition, church revitalized, um, helped plant churches out of that one, um, then went on to a church in rural. Like I've been, you know, the multi-language church, Welsh and in English, like I could just outline all the different. Um, variables of where God had me in, you know, however long it was, the, you know, almost 15, 16 years before I ended up in church planning. And what I've learned is people are the same and they're the same in whatever context you put them in. They're the same in the little people pull this stuff and it's just who we are as sinners. It's just, it's, it's part of what we do. The difference is when people see a little church, just like all the drama that people cause in big churches or mid-sized churches, they're going to do it in yours. But the difference is the impact it can have in your little church is much, much greater. And so what people do is they come into the small church and they see you and they're like, that guy's a knucklehead. You know, um, I can, and there's not a lot of, you know, uh, stuff in place here. I can really push my agenda here. Mm-hmm. And if it's if it's someone going, hey, I got a spiritual gift and I'd really like to use it, I'm totally down with that. And you know there's a lot of freedom that we give to people who come in. Like, you got a gift, you want to run with it, go for it. But there's a big difference. Maybe that'd be a good podcast topic is spotting the difference between those who have spiritual gifts and need to use them and those who have harmful agendas you know, and need to be stopped. Yeah, Which is kind of what, I, I kind think of what Titus is about. I think it could be because I mean, you've even we've had that conversation before about even uh, you know our own church plant where you've been like, uh oh, so and so is starting to show up at our church. We got to be careful. <laughs> they yeah. they yeah. could they could ruin everything that we're doing here. You know <laughs> exactly. You know, and and you'll find it so weird, man. And people come in and they be like. You know, it's about head coverings because I read First Corinthians. I'm convinced, and everybody starts like kind of scratching their head and you know pulling their hoods up on their sweatshirts, like hmm. You know, everyone's getting a little uncomfortable and nervous, and you'll just find all kinds of weird stuff that that people pull in. Um, someone will come in. This is always a a, a big red flag, you know. Um, check, believe, but uh, when they they're like, I'm into inner and emotional healing, and that's cool. Like that's awesome, but when people come and they start making anything other than Christ and him crucified, their agenda, you're in for trouble because mm. everything comes out of that. It flows out of the cross. It flows out of the resurrection. And so when you've got these people where it's all this or biblical prophecy or whatever it is, you're, you're, you're basically what's going to happen is what Paul wrote to the Colossians. I'm worried that someone would come in and distract you from the simplicity that's in Christ. And that's the foundation. No other foundation can any man lay than this, Paul said, about church planning than Christ. That's it. That's what you're there to do, is to bring Christ's presence into that community and to focus all eyes on him. So I'm I'm real, 
I'm not like the guy that goes, hey, I'm the senior pastor and I have all the vision and your vision. I share the vision, but and I'm like, hey, I don't have all the answers. I tell everybody I don't I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm really transparent in that. But what I do say is we're waiting for the Lord to speak to you guys. We're waiting for the Lord. But it has to be about Christ. It has to be about people knowing him. And if it's anything other than that, um, then I, I get a little bit nervous. Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. I've missed him. <laughs> Welcome back, Luigi or Mario. Whichever one it is. I think it's actually from a commercial. It is. You know what? I was watching a film the other day, and someone actually said that in the film. It was like some 80s film or 90s film, and I laughed out loud. That was so stinking funny. I dig it. I dig it. So what about the next article by Hugh Halter? Flippin' brilliant. This one is an amazing uh, article. This is what he says, okay? It's called How I Coach People into Missional Leadership. So that's the buzzword, right? How do you get people not just to, to think missionally? Everyone talks about think missionally. How do you get them to live missionally is the real question. And what Hugh does in this is he says, look, there's four areas that I coach people in. If I'm going to see that life change, it has to be these four areas. And so he says, and, and I'm not going to steal the thunder, but I will give these, these topics. Because what he does, he takes these four areas, and then he has a set of questions that he really causes people to ask themselves on a regular basis. He says, if you ask these questions enough, your life will change. And I just thought that was such a brilliant, this is, to me, this is one of the best articles we've ever done. Um, and, and here's the four areas. You need to be deep in character, clear in calling, culturally savvy, and able to lead inclusive community. And so this is missional leadership for him. And then he just goes through those four areas and he breaks into four and he asks questions for each one of those. And they are so good. Um, that's all I can say about that. Cool. I like the next article because it starts out with the uh, headline on the picture. This is your pastor on drugs. <laughs> and it shows a pastor on an airplane. No, it just shows a dude in an airplane. I actually think that's the guy who wrote the article because um, this is. article was actually submitted to us uh, by Lifeway. And, um, and they were joking in their email and they're like, I begged him to send you the picture that he had of him like on a train and just passed out. And so I think that's the dude or, you it's know, the dude when he's on his way to West Africa, either there or back. And it's a 30 hour flight. And they no, we should actually awesome say the name of the articles. So people understand why it says this, this is your pastor on drugs. Yeah, so it's Muscle Relaxers and Transformational Bible Study by Chris Dolberry. And it is so stinking funny, but they caught him in this hilarious pose sleeping on the airplane, like you do, right? And uh, it's a great article. So if you get a chance, read that one as well. Cool, cool. How to Engage Your City. Um, this is D. by uh, D.A. Horton, yeah. Yeah, so D.A. Horton is a rising name in uh, the, uh, you know, the study of urban missions. And um, he's, he's, I mean, the guy has like crazy credentials. Um, he's, he's, he's a young guy. He does a bit of rap. Um, I don't know if he does hip hop or, or what his deal is. I'm not that hip. So, you know, but he is, he's kind of, he's a guy that I'm seeing uh, kind of making his, his rounds a lot on this topic. And so he's a little bit of a guru on it. 
And, you know, he writes some really, really good stuff. And, you know, you'll hear people talk about um, rethinking how you reach culture, rethinking how you evangelize. All that stuff is in there. And it's just good. It's short and sweet. Um, that's typically his style. But he is um, someone who has worked with Nam, And before that, he was with Reach Life. And um, he is a Holy Spirit guy, which is pretty cool. Cool, cool. The next article, Four Ways G.K. Chesterson Engaged His Culture and Why He Still Matters Today by Trevin Wax. Yeah, now Trevin is a Southern Baptist boy, uh, and he is, you know, we everybody knows Tim Challies, right? Tim Challies is, is the biggest, uh, he's not the biggest Christian blogger. He's, I believe, one of the top three. Um, but Trevin Wax, I sign up this stuff. I read Trevin's stuff every single night. Um, I, I only found out he's a Southern Baptist because uh, he, he occasionally comes out with these things like, Southern Baptist, you should know. And so it's kind of funny because I'm like, oh, I didn't know that dude was a Southern Baptist. But, um, I, you know, not like anyone cares, right? But uh, Trevin Wax is, to me right now, one of the, the best writers out there, one of the best bloggers out there. And what I love about Trevin is he has a deep love of history. Uh, they say that those who forget history are doomed, doomed to repeat the failures of the past. And church planner, just know that there was a generation that went before us. There's a lot of guys who church planted before us. And there were people who watched their culture going through the same thing that we are today. And what, what Trevin does in this article is he's able to take uh, G.K. Chesterton, who wrote in the mainstream, right, who is not a minister. He was a Catholic, but he was a guy who thought deeply about, you know, spiritual things, but wrote in the secular arena. And it, it was basically kind of takes apart, you know, how he reached his secularizing culture of his day uh, while doing it from, a, a, you know, trying to communicate spirituality to them. And then it, it kind of, the, the reason that we're, you know, we're seeing these articles more and more and people are seeing more stuff on C.S. Lewis is because that is what we are now facing. And so we can go back and we can read articles like this and we can learn from guys like G.K. Chesterton. And it was a brilliant article, very well written. One, one of the best pieces of writing we got in the magazine. Yeah, and um, I just read a blog on um, the guy who just wrote a uh, biography on C.S. Lewis. And uh, it was really oh, interesting. Yeah. Like, who it was Frank Viola, wasn't it? That wrote the uh, blog on, like, his takeaway on C.S. Lewis, or you know, yeah, and, yeah. Like, he was he had just read, um, which is a brilliant book, Alistair McGrath's there you biography. Go. Uh, amazing. I read that um, maybe two, three months ago. Amazing book. Yeah, I just I thought it was really interesting because you brought up you know uh, C.S. Lewis because he's referenced here in the article. Um, uh, a couple of different times. And uh, some of the things that C.S. Lewis believed, um, we don't really believe. And it's just interesting because we see C.S. Lewis as like this great uh, apologist who we all look to, but <laughs> we're still picking and choosing what we're going to share of his because, you know, he believed in purgatory still. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, uh, C.S. Lewis believed in a lot of stuff, and here's here's where I'm at. This is what always cracks me up about guys who, um, 
you know, denominations or movements where they, they just think they got it all figured out. You see us, Lewis knew a lot of stuff that, uh, people are coming to now that is just solid biblical Christianity. Um, but you'll find uh, the more you study systematic theology, if you go through like a systematic theology, you'll find like the church in the past, because of its history has been really big on certain subjects, like justification by faith, right? That's a big deal in the new Testament. And it's been a big deal in church history, particularly the reformation. So it, it comes to it where the church is really big on that right now. I'd say we're seeing a revival in ecclesiology. People are talking a lot about what is the church? How should the church function? There's been a revival in missiology, which is what is the mission of the church? Um, boom, boom, boom. So there's a lot of work being done on those two things. And what's interesting is there are whole sections of theology and particularly I would, I'm, I'm going to use a big word here, but, um, uh, the study of the last things, right? Um, it's what we call eschatology. And the last things doesn't just mean the end times. Um, the last things, if you go to any systematic theology book, that includes um, death, judgment, heaven, hell, the afterlife. And those sections on heaven and you know the afterlife, it historically have been very, very small. And often what you'll find is even today, like this is what Francis Chan was getting at um, in responding to Rob Bell's book. Rob Bell's clearly, you know, he's off base on his stuff. But Francis Chan comes in and goes, you know, there is stuff though that we've inherited that we believe. Like there's obviously eternal judgment. There's obviously eternal punishment. Um, boom, boom, boom. And at the same time, there are some medieval notions that we have and stuff like that. But all of that to say, um, like in times, um, particularly you watch guys and they think they all got it figured out and they study, study, study. Um, and there's just a lot of mystery there. And we're all jacked up. I, I can remember sitting with a prominent Christian leader who led a movement and he was saying back in the 80s, Saddam Hussein is the Antichrist. And I loved and respected this leader. I still do. But you know, people say crazy things and get off base sometimes. And luckily God has a sense of humor, man. And he just winks at it and says, ah, eh, you know, that's cute. You're trying to figure it all out this side of heaven. That's great. Just stick to the main things that I told you. And uh, so C.S. Lewis didn't have it all worked out. But I tell you what, he saw further than a lot of us in a lot of areas, you know? Yep. Yep. I don't know that's off topic, but I just thought I'd make that little oh. observation. Hey. Hey, hey, like we ever stay on topic. Our, hey, our show hey. is about being off topic. It is. But you know what's cool is this is all relevant to this issue. So uh, this is kind of the, maybe we should do these more often, Pete, because this is actually the the part of the uh, broadcast. We don't have to feel bad about going off topic because we're kind of covering Yeah, but then light. I'd have to read every episode or every uh, issue of our magazine. And <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, Pete. So the next article. Uh-huh. Observations about church planting and church planters by Dave Kraft. Oh, mom, do I have to read the magazine I publish? (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to. All right. Well, hey, Dave Kraft, um, he's written for us before, and his article uh, is called Observations about Church Plant and Church Planters, like you said. And um, he's a guy who coaches leaders. And the interesting thing is that he's looking um, and, and it's really interesting. He, he, he quotes here. Um, he doesn't credit him though. That's, that's a bit naughty, but he, 
anyways, no, no, no hard feelings, Dave, but he, he, he quotes uh, Ian Balance where he says, I believe the Christian church is looking for better methods while God is looking for better men. That's a classic Ian Balance quote. But that's kind of what he's talking about there, is talking about the man himself. And, you know, uh, one of the things that, that he looks at is the characters that most uh, church planners, the characteristics and the character that most church planners that survive actually have. And so if you're in church planning, there's going to be times you're going to want to quit. There's going to be times that you might be tempted. Uh, and by the way, that would make a great podcast is the tactics and strategy Satan uses to try to take church planners out of action because there are a lot of them. You are putting yourself on the front line and Satan will, he will put a target on your back like crazy. And Pete, you and I have talked about like spiritual warfare and stuff that we've come up against. Um, just even helping church planners like we do. But, uh, but that's what he's going to talk about is the characteristics of guys who survive need to have. Yeah. And I know we're, uh, we're running out of time and we're actually only about halfway through the magazine. So I don't know if we should, uh, save the rest or just say, Hey, that's enough goodness for you guys to want to go get the free issue as it stands on the newsstand. And, uh, absolutely. I, I think that's, I think that's fair because, um, we have got, um, we got a video in here. We've got well, the next uh, videos. Exactly. What we were just talking about a, a, about getting taken out by the enemy. And guys, if you download the magazine for one thing and one thing only this month, hit it for this film called, uh, Proverbs seven. And I think the film is, is it just called seven? Um, oh, we've got uh, it here as Proverbs seven. Uh, yeah, it says Proverbs 7. I remember watching. I thought it had just I haven't the pressed the play button on the film in a while, so I don't remember. I got to tell you, guys, get a chance. It's exactly what we talked about, how you get taken out by the enemy, and it's so good. The guy who does this film is a guy who filmed Jump School, um, which uh, is a film we're going to actually be launching a Kickstarter for pretty soon just to finish up the post-production. We're a little short of funds on that. Um, if you'd like to donate to that, let me know, write to us at the magazine, but also, um, you know, this is the same director. You'll get a, a, a sense of uh, what he does. He's a profesh and that's what he does for a living. And he church plants at night, makes, uh, films and documentaries by day. And, uh, he put this film together on Proverbs seven, absolutely brilliant. So definitely check that out. And, uh, that is about. It, I think there was, I mean, we've got, there's several other articles in there. Um, we've got Walter Martin. We've got, uh, uh, a great book review that Don Overstreet did, um, a couple other articles, but, uh, I think we've given everyone a big enough reason to go download the free magazine. I can't underscore that enough. If you don't have the free magazine, yeah, I don't know what to say to you, you know, and we're not selling you. So just know we want to get these resources in your hands. We're not getting money by having you guys download. But here's a deal. Um, just an honorable mention to one more article, which is two vital things to know about your wife before church planning. That's an article that all church planners, after they read it, will be like, man, I wish I read that before I church planted. So, guys, thanks for tuning in today. Remember, January 1st starts up uh, the paid subscriptions. So be aware, um, if you entered our Master Church Planner Library contest, which was over $500 of free church planning, 
books uh, directly to you. Uh, that was our competition. It's over. But if you entered that, we promised you a year free subscription. You will get that. But if you do not download that within a certain time, um, you will not get that. So I don't know what the date is on that yet. But in order to claim that, you are going to have to go and download it uh, fairly soon. So we'll, we'll give you more details about that in future. But thank you for tuning in. This has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you today that if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Thank you.